0: This podcast is brought to you by the Village of Bedford Park, your home for business. Over 450 businesses strong and growing with a safe, reliable Lake Michigan water supply. Visit vobpbiz.com and bring your business home to the Village of Bedford Park.
1: When the whole family comes together to watch the game, nobody wants to miss a second of the action to run to the grocery store. With Instacart, you can get all your weekly groceries in as fast as an hour. Less time shopping means more game time. Let's go visit instacart.com to get free delivery on your first three orders offer valid for a limited time ten dollar minimum per order additional terms apply
2: Now, the WBBM Noon Business Hour. It's 12.03, Monday afternoon, December 11th. Good afternoon. Thanks for joining us on the Noon Business Hour. I'm Rob Hart. There's growing interest in lab-grown diamonds. We'll learn more about them in our next segment. Right now, an audit of subscriptions could help you get your budget in line. Joining us on the Village of Bedford Park business line, reminding you to bring your business home, is Ted Rossman, industry analyst, creditcards.com, based in New York. Thank you for joining us today. Uh, most subscriptions, whether it be to a uh, publication, a news service or a streaming service, uh, works out to about you know five or six dollars a month, maybe ten dollars a month and it doesn't seem like much but uh, once it it, it it all adds up and that could add up to serious money.
3: absolutely yeah, this is actually a really great time I think to take a look through your credit card bills your Bank statements. Figure out where these money leaks exist. Chase actually reported that 71% of Americans waste more than $50 a month on unwanted subscription fees. So you multiply that out by the 12 months in the year. I mean, we could be talking at least $600 here. It's a good idea to look around.
2: Once a year, you should perform a uh, what they call a subscription audit. And what uh, what's what's step one in performing that subscription audit?
3: I think it would be to comb through those bank and credit card statements and look for any of these suspicious charges. Sometimes it's a free trial that you opted into and you didn't realize that it was going to turn into a paid subscription, or maybe you signed up because you wanted something once upon a time and then you kind of forgot about it. Sometimes there are duplicate charges. It may just seem like a few dollars here and there, but it can really add up at scale.
2: We're talking to Ted Rossman, industry analyst dot creditcards.com in New York about how you can perform a subscription audit and potentially save some money by uh, cutting ties with uh, some subscription services uh, you do you, you don't need or maybe as you said uh, you don't know you have. Uh, what's the level of sentimentality should you have when you're going through your subscription services because some people could be on the fence if it's like a, a streaming music service or a, a streaming video service in which uh, one of their favorite Favorite shows is on. Uh, you might be saying to yourself, uh, well, you know, occasionally I'll go back and watch a rerun of that. That's why I'm comfortable spending $7 a month. Should you have someone behind you just to say, no, don't do that. Cut ties now.
3: <laughs> yeah, there is sort of the the ruthless school of thought, which is, you know, just cut here and there. And, and it does add up. I mean, every monthly subscription you cut has really 12x the annual impact of doing something just once. But here's a middle ground you could consider. Sometimes these are negotiable. So I've actually done this with my satellite radio provider. I feel like every so often they try to raise my rate and I call them up and I say, could I get the old rate back? And it seemingly always works. So a lot of these services could be negotiated. Sometimes when you call to cancel or you ask to go to the retention department, maybe they can cut you a deal. The other thing is that it doesn't have to be all or nothing. You know, sometimes there are certain subscriptions that you only like certain times of the year. Like, I'm a big hockey fan, and right now I'm subscribing to a streaming service where I get all the games. I probably don't need to pay for that over the summer during the hockey off season. So, you know, whether it's a hit show that's only on a few months a year or a sports season or something like that, you can also come and go. I mean, there's nothing prohibiting you from coming back at a later date.
2: Ted Rossman, Industry Analyst, CreditCards.com in New York. Thank you for joining us today. Coming up, weighing the value of man-made versus natural diamonds. Investing 60 minutes each weekday for planning for the future. The WBBM Noon Business Hour continues. There's a major rise in demand for man-made diamonds. Let's discuss the trend with Paul Zimniski, independent diamond industry analyst in New York. Find him online, paulzimnicki.com. Paul, thank you for joining us today, and... Before we begin, uh, when did the trend of lab-grown diamonds begin, and what is its current market segment in the overall diamond market?
4: Yeah, so the technology to produce them has existed since the 1950s, but primarily the production was targeted towards uh, industrial application for, say, cutting tools, construction equipment, that sort of thing. And it really hasn't been uh, – it was maybe you know within the last five or ten years that you really started to see – the man-made diamond product emerge as, as a jewelry product that's, uh, I would say, available on a more mainstream level. So it's still relatively new in the jewelry category. Um, to give you some context, in 2015, it was, you know, under one percent of the total uh, global diamond jewelry market. Today, it's approaching 20 percent.
2: The thing that made diamonds, real diamonds, a, uh, a valuable commodity, of course, is the fact that they had to be mined, and uh, there was only X amount of naturally occurring diamonds on the face of the planet. Where does the value of, of, of lab-grown diamonds come from?
4: Well, it's still a, it's a relatively you know, complex product to make them. Um, I mean, we're talking about you know, subatomic particles. Um, but it is a manufactured product. And as the technology progresses, and in, you know, as you know, production is ramped up and, and economies of scale are, are, are realized, um, the, the price has been declining on a pretty steady basis. And um, you know, as you know, natural diamonds are a non-renewable natural resource. So there's a completely different price fundamental basis to them. And because of that, you could now buy man-made diamonds that are, you know, ninety as much as ninety-five percent less than an equivalent quality natural diamond.
2: We're talking lab grown diamonds with Paul Zimniski, independent diamond industry analyst in New York. Thank you for once again for joining us this afternoon. And when we talk about uh diamonds that are naturally occurring that are valuable and get more valuable over time. Uh, Chances are most people, though, when they buy jewelry, uh, they just want something that pops and sparkles and shimmers, uh, whether you are uh, getting down on one knee and getting engaged or whether you're giving one as a gift. And I'm guessing that's where the the lab-grown diamond does a very brisk business. Uh, They don't care about the value. They just want uh, something that looks really pretty at an affordable price point.
4: Right. I I think that's, uh, you know, that that makes it a a viable option for for some consumers, certainly. Um, I think in general, we're talking about luxury. We're talking about diamond jewelry. It's a very emotional purchase. It's not a practical purchase. You know, people buy it because it makes them feel good. And, you know, since the the beginning of time, you know, humans have have, um, you know, you know, valued, you know, rare and and valuable precious gemstones and and precious metals. And I don't think that's going to change anytime soon. Um, so it's just I look at it as a different product category. It's a different option for consumers that are looking at uh, diamond jewelry.
2: And then lastly, Paul, if you are purchasing uh, diamond jewelry as a gift this holiday season, or you are thinking about popping the question uh, this holiday season, and you're in the market for an engagement ring right now, uh, what is the jewelry store owner? Is the person you're dealing with? Are they obligated to tell you if it is a real diamond or a lab-grown diamond, or should you ask?
4: Yeah, you definitely wanna wanna ask. You wanna do some research. There's actually some, you know, you know, quite a bit of of, of good information available online. Um, but you definitely want to go through a jeweler that you trust that has a good reputation. Um, and and yeah, you want you want to be smart about the purchase.
2: And then very quickly, uh, are there unscrupulous jewelers who uh, charge you the real diamond uh, amount for a lab-grown diamond piece?
4: I mean, there's some instances of that. It's probably doesn't occur as, as much as you might think. But again, you want to take this seriously. The gemological labs, the GIA is the biggest in the world. It's based in the U.S. They exist for a reason. They do a good job. And, uh, and, and I think you want to, uh, to again, do your research and, and, and be smart about what you're buying.
2: Paul Zimniski, independent diamond industry analyst in New York. Find him online, paulzimniski.com. Thank you for joining us today. Coming up next, expenses that many people underestimate in retirement. Discussing the news affecting your money. The WBBM Noon Business Hour continues. Even if you've done a good job of saving for retirement, there are some expenses that can be unexpectedly large and put you in financial jeopardy. Let's get some insight from Tony Ogorek, founder of ogoric Wealth Management, Management in Buffalo. Tony, thank you for joining us today. Uh, Let's talk about some of those unexpected expenses that uh, you encounter uh, in retirement and how they can affect your planning.
5: Okay, Rob. Well, I think the first is the uh, specter of long-term health care. You know, whether you would need assisted living or skilled nursing care at some point down the road, you know, it's a fact of life that people are living longer and along with that comes additional expense as well as probably additional infirmity, which means that you are going to need some, some help. So that's something that, you know, prior generations may not have, you know, had to uh, deal with, but we're certainly looking at that today. Uh, you know, and then the issue is that, you know, if you're an empty nester at this point, does it still make sense to hold on to that uh, larger house? Uh, Or are you going to be able to, um, in fact, sell at maybe the top of the market and rent going forward? Or do you want to get something a little bit more smaller with a floor plan that's going to be a little bit safer for you?
2: And then, Tony, uh, what have you encountered as far as the uh, uh, maybe a client of yours, or just a story into life about uh, somebody who did um, require long-term care, and the uh, retirement plan didn't necessarily pay for that? I mean, is there, is there something like what, what? What does Medica What does Medica- Med- Medicare provide for you as far as assisted living and long-term care is concerned? And what do you have to plan for?
5: Yeah, well, uh, Medicaid. Uh, is a program for the indigent. And so, you know, they pay probably 70% of uh, long-term care costs in the country. And so the way it works is there's generally a five-year look-back period. So if you wanted to uh, impoverish yourself on on paper, uh, you would move assets into an irrevocable trust or gift them to someone. And you'd have a five-year waiting period before you would be able to Uh, have those assets uh, excluded from, um, you know, from uh, Medicaid, from being available to pay for your nursing care. Uh, Some people also may end up putting their home uh, in the name of their children instead of themselves. uh, And then the children would be able to take the tax deduction for the property taxes uh, if they're able to deduct that. But again, that's moving that asset away from Medicaid. Now, if you've got assets probably north of, I don't know, a million and a half or two million dollars you may not be looking at uh, at uh, Medicaid planning. Uh, but if you've got uh, assets less than that, that may be something to consider. Now one other point, Rob, is that you know Medicaid is going to be offering you a semi-private room. So depending on who you might be in with, you know it may not be entirely attractive to you. So um, we then have continuing care retirement communities. Where you can move in as someone who's uh, just regular living now, they may then escalate to assisted or to skilled down the road.
2: Tony Ogorek, founder Ogorek Wealth Management in Buffalo, New York. Thank you for joining us today talking about unexpected retirement expenses like long-term health care. Still ahead, a guide to holiday drinks at home, plus a pair of suggestions from our Monday stock picker.
6: Your fever is high and the pressure to log in at work is too. But when you finally decide to take care of you, there's Instacart. Just because that one perfect coworker of yours is attending all meetings, camera on while she's sneezing, coughing, and aching, doesn't mean you have to do the same. Take it from us. Trying to stay on top of things will only get you further behind. Instead, get everything from tissues and teas to cough suppressants and comforting soups delivered through Instacart in as fast as 30 minutes. If anyone needs anything, they can just redirect their questions to that one perfect co-worker of yours.
7: How powerful is Cox Internet? Powerful enough to let your band members in Vegas, Phoenix, and Rhode Island jam like you're all in the same garage. Get Cox Internet powered by fiber with America's fastest download speeds. It's Internet built for tomorrow, today. Cox, always building better. Cox Internet is connected to the premises via coaxial connection. Speeds vary and are not guaranteed. Cox terms and the restrictions may apply. Analysis by Ookla Speed Test Intelligence Data Fixed Median Download Speeds USQ3 2023.
2: This is Chicago's news traffic and weather station. News Radio 105.9. The WBBM Noon Business Hour continues. Good afternoon. I'm Rob Hart. These are the top stories on News Radio WBBM.
0: This is Rachel Pearson. Family and friends continue to look for a Carpentersville teen who went missing a week ago.
2: The humanitarian crisis in Gaza broadens as heavy fighting occurs in several areas. With holiday parties kicking into high gear, we'll learn about some cool cocktails that you can make at home. At Stock Picker Monday, we'll get some ideas from an investing pro. WBBM business. The markets are higher. The Dow is up 130 points. The Nasdaq is up 14. The S&P 500 is up 13. We have 32 degrees right now at O'Hare under mostly sunny skies. It's 1231, topping our news of the half hour. There's still no sign of a teenager from Carpentersville who's been missing for a week. The details from WBBM's Rachel Pearson. Loved
0: ones gathered outside of Vernon Hills bowling alley desperate to find Brisa Romero. The 17-year-old was on her way to attend a holiday party at Bolero, but never made it. Brisa's sister Dulce Romero tells CBS 2 she would left her cousin's house in Desplaines Monday night, and that's when communication went silent.
8: Nothing was going through.
6: Nobody, none of our cousins, none of our her friends, none of our family was her was going through her phone. Like when she was, nothing was ringing and which is what was, alarming like, this is weird.
0: Brisa was last seen driving a gray 2008 Nissan Rogue with a black Coyote bumper sticker. Her family now offering a $14,000 reward for any information that could help bring her home. Rachel Pearson, News Radio, 105.9 WBBM.
2: More aid trucks have been entering Gaza through the southern border as fighting continues and smoke can be seen rising in the distance. People scramble for aid at Rafah, apparently after trucks crossed over the
5: border on Monday bringing much-needed supplies to locals. It comes as Palestinians face severe shortages of food, water and other basic goods in the Gaza Strip, with very little aid allowed in since the start of the Israel-Hamas war. Israeli forces are battling Palestinian militants in Gaza's two largest cities, with civilians still sheltering along the front lines, even after massive waves of displacement across the besieged territory. Tree. I'm Charles Hey It's
2: 1232 as the noon business hour continues. Markets are higher today. Joining us on the Village of Bedford Park business line, reminding you to bring your business home, is Philip Colmar, Global Strategist, MRB Partners in New York. Phil, thank you for joining us today. And this is a week in which the Fed is in play. We will get some more commentary from Fed Chair Jerome Powell, and we'll have another key read on inflation.
7: Yeah, that's right. Yeah, the, both of those uh, items are are key to the market. Everybody's uh, yeah holding their breath on it. They're expecting inflation to largely be flat, but still a disinflationary trend sufficient for, for the Fed to not only stay on hold, but potentially ease uh, as the year progresses next year. Um, so, yeah, this sort of Goldilocks scenario of decent growth, yeah, disinflation and Fed rate cuts is what the market's been, been focused on
2: investors seem to be pinning a lot of uh, a lot of their bets on the idea that the Fed will cut interest rates starting next year and of course uh, we're not going to get much in the way of surprise commentary from Jay Powell when he speaks this week so uh, when when chairman Powell says we'll be data dependent we will keep rates as high as they need to be until we're back to two percent inflation uh, will investors be looking for that wink in the middle of that commentary to say that uh, <laughs> maybe fed maybe rates will be cut starting in March March.
7: Yeah, they're really they're really stretching for, or looking for it now. And and, and reality is is what we're going to see is inflation decelerating through the first part of next year. The challenge is is even the market has questions on this is how much will inflation come down. It's coming down by enough to make the Fed not hike anymore. It's definitely gone to the sidelines. The question will be is whether it's come down enough to to ease. Uh, I think actually the market's likely to be disappointed as the year progresses on that front because inflation's going to remain stickier than and just not warranted. Although Powell has. Indicated that uh, policy is very restrictive, which is a code name for we could give you some preemptive cuts. So people are looking for that, but they have now 100 basis points or one percentage points of rate cuts through the course of next year priced in. That, I think that's a little far.
2: And then, uh, to expect. And then very quickly, Phil, uh, most people uh, go shopping at Macy's during the holiday season, but now a uh, fund is going shopping for Macy's this holiday season. And uh, what what makes Macy's so attractive, this fund that wants to buy them? Uh, and and there, a number of entities have come along and have, have have made offers in the last couple of years, but it seems like they're really interested in Macy's real estate footprint.
7: Yeah, I think. Uh, well, I mean, I think that that's that's probably a lot of the untrapped value. Although I don't don't cover stock specific, the untrapped value is probably in and their wide wide real estate uh, reach across the country. So it's uh, there is some some appealing assets in there. Untrapped value, I think uh, Sears was able to unlock some of that years back um, from their from their real estate as well. So I guess uh, some funds are, are are taking a shot at it from that front. There's also a big rotation right now um, currently towards. Some of the cyclical laggards away from the tech into some other cyclical areas, which maybe brings that back into play. But real estate has come back into play, financials, other types of things. So people are betting on sort of that cyclical rotation. And so there's some appeal right now in capital markets towards different types of cyclical assets.
2: Philip Komar, Global Strategist, MRB Partners in New York. Thank you for joining us today. Coming up next, mixing up quality cocktails in the privacy of your own home. Information to make cash and save cash. The WBBM Noon Business Hour continues. As you welcome guests into your home this holiday season, you may want to consider upping your cocktail game. Let's get some help from Carly Katz, owner of Bottles and Cans, based in Chicago. Carly, thank you for joining us today. And uh, tis the season for for uh, traditional holiday drinks. I mean, the last uh, couple of weeks or so, uh, you hear about people uh, enjoying that first glue wine of the season, whether it's at uh, Simon's up at Andersonville or uh, at one of the Chris Kendall markets in Chicago. Of course, um, it's, it's Tom and Jerry season at Miller's Pub in the loop. So the holiday drink is as much of a holiday tradition as uh, going to see Santa, but not at the same time.
6: I mean, maybe in some circles it
7: can be <laughs> yeah, at the same time. It depends but, on
2: your holiday uh, party, I suppose.
6: Yeah.
2: <laughs> so what what can um, you do to kind of mix things up and, uh, and and have the holiday party that people remember?
6: Again, there's so many things that people can do now because the the world of, like, Christmas seasonal holiday beverages has gone from, like... You know the just the glug wine to now we're doing like peppermint martinis we're seeing a lot more kind of vanilla going into everything we're seeing a lot more ready-to-go cocktails that are more like rich and fuller and just bigger in general and we're seeing a ton of kind of cinnamon-based things and nutmeg and just to get that really nice spice with everything and it's also kind of a fun time of year where you don't really count those calories as much as you maybe normally would. So a lot of the drinks are a little bit more decadent than, than you would normally see.
2: So if, if you are having a, uh, a a holiday party at your home and you're playing bartender and you really want to impress, what is a good uh, go-to cocktail that uh, may be off the beaten path and not that, that your guests just may not know about?
6: So maybe not off the beaten path but I love like a cinnamon peppermint like martini because you can also kind of use it up a little with like peppermint crumbles and things like that um, we're seeing a lot of like fun um, like jello based drinks where you're kind of infusing like a pistachio jello with like a cinnamon component to it uh, and then adding those kind of little fun sprinkles to it um, I like how we uh,
2: call it Jello-based it. drinks, and, and how about <laughs> it, also known as a dorm room chic.
6: That's it's dorm room <laughs> chic. You know, we 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 up it now, just you know, to go back to our old days. Um, but I also am loving. There's so many wonderful like Christmas beers out right now. Um, um, Hubbard's Cave, um, who's over in Niles, they do. If you have watched Seinfeld, they do a series called Earing of Grievances and Feet of Strength. Um, and that's their, <laughs> that's their like, Christmas beers that they put out. Um, they're stouts that have, um, like, imperial stouts, so they're, they're bigger, they're higher ABV, but um, brewed with chocolate. And then Illuminated Brew Works. These guys do something called War on Christmas, uh, which is just a lot of fun. Uh, but they do one that is, like, that white stout um, where it has, like, a nice lactose sugar in it. Um, but they have one that is made um, to, to replicate peanut brittle it's so amazing Uh, but all of those are kind of what people look for this time of year is something a little bigger something a little bolder Um, really doing anything with whiskey if you want to kind of add and infuse different fun things with it where you're doing kind of like a burnt orange and nutmeg and cinnamon and letting that kind of simmer in with your whiskeys that's also just it's It's holiday, it's fresh, and none of these are like wildly difficult things to create.
2: Now I was going to say, uh, uh, Unirny, uh up off of uh, Howard on Niles, uh, they do have the uh, airing of grievances. Uh, and I, I, I actually purchased that uh, at the end of 2020. And I think we would both agree that uh, there were plenty of grievances to be aired at the end of 2020. <laughs> um, and, of course, uh, Illuminated Brew works on uh, Northwest Highway, doing some great mm-hmm. things there. And if uh, you want to be a traditionalist now, uh, there's always uh, Fistmas from Revolution.
6: Always. I mean, and that's, and you know, there's, there's the standards, there's Christmas, there's, um, uh, uh, Great Lakes. They're just basic Christmas ale, uh, which a few years ago, someone actually told me that that beer makes up like over 50% of, of their profits in a year. I don't know if that still stands, but that's a Christmas beer and it's sold for such a tiny amount of time. It's like shocking to me how many people are out looking for those things, but you know, also, if it was out all year round, would they be doing that? But um, those, Bell's Christmas Ale is out, uh, Firestone, um, they have their um, Cinnamon Nitro Stout, which is, is lovely because it's it's a little bit more, like, frothy and smooth and velvety. Um, Shiner Holiday Cheer, that's always kind of, I, I feel like that one gets forgotten, but it is so lovely. Um, that's That's probably one of my favorites.
2: Carly Katz, owner of Bottles and Cans in Chicago, thank you for joining us today with some holiday uh, cocktail and beer suggestions. Join us this time tomorrow for Travel Tuesday and still to come our Monday Stock Picker. It's compounding your interest with an economy of words. This is the WBBM Noon Business Hour. It's Stock Picker Monday. Joining us with a pair of investment ideas is Chuck Carlson, CEO of Horizon Investment Services and publisher of the website UpsideStocks.com, based in Hammond. Chuck. Thank you for joining us today. Uh, two selections today, and your first one comes from the medical technology space.
8: The symbol is SMLR. It trades for about $45 a share. It's a tiny company. The market capitalization is just a hair over $300 million, so it's a small company. Uh, but the company designs and manufactures products uh, for the early detection of, of chronic diseases, such as like arterial disease and heart dysfunction. Uh, they've been putting up very strong growth numbers, and I think that growth is going to continue in in 2024. You know, the company Scherner should earn over $3.30 a share in 2024, which gives it a, uh, an earnings multiple of only about 14 times those estimates. Earnings estimates have jumped sharply in the last 30 days. And, it, again, it's a company in the healthcare space, small, with risk, I think two customers account for about 70% of their sales, but in an environment where small-cap stocks are doing better, and I think you'll see healthcare stocks picking up, this is an interesting stock. It's Semler Scientific, S-M-L-R.
2: And your next, uh, your next stock uh, comes from the, uh, the, the cleaning space, and is this uh, simply industrial cleaning or is this all cleaning?
8: It's primarily industrial, uh, retail, commercial, hospitals, etc. The name of the company is Tenant. The symbol is TNC. The stock trades for $87 a share. And is it is in the completely unsexy business of floor maintenance and cleaning equipment, which on the surface, it's like, well, who cares? Well, um, interestingly, the company sells over a billion dollars, of floor maintenance and cleaning equipment a year. They'll probably do about $1.3 billion in 2024. Uh, Earnings have been growing rather rapidly, and the company has absolutely crushed consensus earnings estimates in the last four quarters. Uh, The stock should earn, or the company should earn, more than $6.20 dollars 20 in 2024, which gives it an earnings multiple of just 14 times. Uh, It's a type of stock. It's a smaller company at $1.6 billion market cap, but it's a type of stock, again, in this type of environment where we're seeing a broadening in leadership to include small caps and to include kind of industrial machinery equipment. It's an interesting stock in that space. That's Tenant, symbols TNC. And our company and our clients do own both of these shares.
2: Barry, since I have you here, uh, what is the Dow theory telling you these days uh, with the Dow up uh, 132 points right now?
8: Yeah, the Dow theory, as you know, has been on a bull market primary signal here for the last several months. We got a pretty stiff correction from August through October, but that kind of gets the correction out of the way. We're in a seasonally strong period For the market, we've got valuations that aren't stretched, and we've got a primary bull market trend under the Dow theory. So I think investors should be reasonably optimistic about stocks here in the near term.
2: Chuck Carlson, CEO of Horizon Investment Services and publisher of the website UpsideStocks.com, based in Hammond. Thank you for joining us on this Stock Picker Monday. And his selections, once again, Semler Scientific, S-M-L-R, and Tenant T-N-C. If you missed any part of today's Noon Business Hour, we'll have the replay podcast available shortly at WBBMNewsRadio.com and the Odyssey app.